What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined as always by my co-host, Bart Wheeler, and we are continuing on our tour of the different fantasy baseball positions as we preview each and every one of them. Uh, So far, we have checked off the boxes for catcher, first base, second base, and now there's always the question, Bart, do you do third base next or shortstop next? Well, we're doing third base next, so hope you are prepared for the right position tonight. Yeah, I do. I'm ready for third base. We're uh, we're going around the horn in a really weird way. You know, if we just struck out the batter, we're we're throwing it all over the place here. So it's not really <laughs> well. You well, you know, when they when they have the numbers that uh, that uh, correlate to the different positions, five is third base and six is shortstop. So okay. we are actually doing it by the book. If uh, if you're keeping score at home, well, there you go. That 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 works for me. I'm I'm ready to talk third baseman. I mean, we were texting about this a little bit. And uh, I don't remember what adjective you used, if it was gross or terrible or what, but I, I remember feeling the same way last year when we were previewing third base. It's just, there's only a handful of guys that you really want. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about plenty of guys in this episode, but man, it's it's rough after the first few, right? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like it's becoming like a common theme of all these positions in the infield. Now it will be different, I believe, when we do shortstop next, mm-hmm. which will be uh, on uh, Tuesday, next Tuesday, but... Uh, all these other positions we've looked at so far, I feel like there's just a big drop-off after maybe the first five or six guys. Uh, I think that was the case at first base, uh, the case at second base, and here at third as well. Catcher, the uh, (laughs) drop-off maybe was a little less steep um, or or a little earlier, I guess, (laughs) depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is kind of more of the same. It's like there's some huge studs uh, at the top at this position. And then after that, it gets dicey really quickly. Um, you know, so like half the teams in your league are going to be at a severe disadvantage relative to the other half, I would say, at this position. Yeah, and I've been doing some mock drafts. Uh, I use like the Fantasy Pros mock draft simulator, which is just fun to kind of, you know, just build build out how your league's going to be and then just run through a draft. I've, I've been doing a few of those. And like for third base... If I don't get one in the first two rounds, I just wait a long time. So we'll talk about sort of the guys at the top. There's, you know, Jose Ramirez obviously is like the top guy, but then there's a bunch of guys that I think you could take in round two, and then I, I would probably just wait. So that's sort of my overall strategy as before we kind of dig into the names here. Yeah, and we'll as we're going through this, we'll also look at uh, ADP data. Um, Jose Ramirez is going as the uh, – pick 3.6 on average so either the third or fourth pick in the draft uh depending on which format you're drafting in again it is only february so things can change but i feel like that's one of those things that probably isn't going to change that much i mean we we all know about jose ramirez i mean he's been uh a top five overall fantasy hitter multiple times in his career including uh i don't know where exactly where he finished last year but it was definitely first among all third basemen, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a first-round value uh, for sure. Um, so we can just start off, I guess, talking about him because I do have him in his own tier. It sounds like you do yeah. as well. Same. Yeah, for sure. Like, I just don't think there's anyone who – like, he's someone you could consider at the number one overall pick, to be honest. So, uh, you know, like, there's no one else with sort of that five-category elite production that he has with the batting average, with the 
home runs, RBIs, you know, he's a threat to steal 25 bases. So there are guys that we'll talk about who have some of that potential, but no one, you know, that elite. So like, I think you're going to have people taking him versus like a Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, in the outfield who has that same five category production. But I just think being third base, there's just fewer of these guys. You know, there's plenty of outfielders who I like in the first round, but only one uh, third baseman, and that's Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I mean, the stolen bases are a big thing. I mean, it's the combination of the the power and the speed with huge run and RBI totals as well. Solid enough batting average. I mean, it's just kind of the five-category goodness that you yeah. don't get from really any other third baseman. Uh, you know, the one guy that I feel like is in the conversation, I guess, would be Manny Machado. Um, just because I feel like, so the way I did it was I put Ramirez in a tier of his own, but then I also put Machado in a tier of his own as well. Oh, interesting. Um, so uh, my feeling with Machado is that, um, you know, he's going to steal bases. Like he stole uh, a good number of bases last season. And I just think he's, you know, now that he's like going to opt out of his contract and he's in a walk year, essentially like steals are, <laughs> We, you know, it's like we say on every episode. It's a lot of it's about how much you want to run, you know. Yeah. And um, I certainly think he ha- he'll have the green light um, for the Padres if he wants it. And uh, you know, he stole nine bases last year, twelve the year before. Um, but I could see him getting even fifteen to twenty potentially uh, this season. So um, to me, that makes him closer to Ramirez because. Uh, I actually think Machado is maybe a little bit better uh, bet for batting average um, than than uh, Ramirez is. Although Machado's batting average has fluctuated um, a fair amount over the course of his career, he did hit 298 last season, um, and I think the power, RBI, and run totals are going to be pretty similar between the two of them. So if Machado does run more, I think it really uh, it really narrows the gap there. Yeah, it, it the average like you said has fluctuated a little bit, but like, you know, he was he was like a solid 280 to 290 hitter uh, when he was in Baltimore and Camden Yards and then when he came to San Diego it was sort of like, well, is that going to, you know, is that going to go away cuz Camden's obviously a really nice hitter's ballpark or at least, you know, it was when the, that fence was uh in a bit more, but and then he came to San Diego and like he had a bit of a a down year. Well, not even. I mean, he had 32 home runs in 2019, but the average dipped. Uh, to 256 so like it was kind of like whoa but he bounced back like if you look at the last three seasons he's batting probably about 290 you know on average of those three seasons so yeah I'm with you on like he's my number two third baseman but I I lumped him in with a pretty good tier of guys I have I have four guys here who I would probably take somewhere in in the second round but Machado would be the top of of that list for me yeah I mean I can probably guess who the other three guys are um Yep, guessing it's some combination of Bobby Witt Jr., Raphael Devers, and Austin Riley. Yep, um, I have them ranked in that order in a, in a third tier. Uh, and basically, for me, it's just it really is. A, it's just about the steals. I mean, I think Devers and Riley are pretty comparable to Machado and Ramirez in terms of the the power numbers. Like, I don't think there's going to be a massive uh, difference there. Um, batting average. Same, I, I mean, I think Riley is probably like a 270, 280 kind of guy, sort of mm-hmm. like Ramirez and uh, Machado Endeavors might have a little more batting average upside. Um, but really, to me, the, the differential is the steals. And, uh, you know, because Devers and Riley are just, 
not really going to give you steals. And then Witt will give you the steals, but then he has other <laughs> issues just, you know, being some, I mean, he was amazing as a rookie, don't get me wrong, but he's only done it once. So, you know, you know, there's always the chance of like a sophomore slump or something like that. Um, also, just being in Kansas City, like all these other guys are in pretty loaded offenses. I feel like um, Witt might not have the same category juice in the run production numbers uh, as the as the other guys and not quite as much power either. So um, for that reason, I, I, I lump him in with um, with Riley and with Devers, but uh, I give Machado a little bit of an edge. Well, you're right. I do. Those are my next three guys, but I didn't um, put them in that order. I have Devers, Riley, and Witt. Um, but it makes sense, like after you're talking about Bobby Witt, because he does have that stolen base upside, like you said, where those other guys don't. Um, I think with Devers, like you know, that Boston lineup is not that good uh, right now. But like, I don't know. When when I'm in the draft room, I think Devers is a guy I'm just going to take because I love the talent. Uh, he's been a top six fantasy third baseman each of the last four seasons. He's in the prime of his career. When you look at his age. It's just, you know, like I said, the lineup's a bit lacking, but I think he'll still produce just fine, um, which Austin Riley, like, you could split hairs there and say, well, Austin Riley is also young and in an even, even better lineup, so maybe more power potential, or probably about the same, because, like, Devers has had, you know, almost 40 home runs in a season. So, yeah, I, I like all these guys. That's the order I have, but Bobby Witt Jr. is definitely, like, he's the he's the young guy, uh, might hit 250, but he's the only one of these uh, who really has that stolen base potential even more than Machado. So yeah, if you want if you want that stolen base potential, I mean, he could be that five category guy. So I could, I could, I could see moving him up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's sort of just, you know, risk reward, right? Because I feel like Devers and, and Riley are very uh, stable, safe. Yeah. They're safe. Uh, fantasy options. I just don't think they, the the fact they don't steal bases, like, they don't have the same ceiling. And again, we're coming at this from a Roto categories, standard five by five mm-hmm. perspective. So if you play in a points league, I think it's a little bit different. Um, the steals are not as vital in, in that format. So um, I think there I might rank it differently. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but in a, in a categories league, I just the, the fact that you could get 30 steals from, <laughs> yeah. from wit. I mean, he got 30 last year, you know, um, he stole 29 between double A and triple a in 2021. So it's like, it's, he's just kind of there with that, you know? Um, and then there's just always the potential that he like takes a step forward in some way. I mean, like this ranking is, is really just based on what he did last year, you know, but he yeah. could be better than that. So, um, that's that's kind of why I have him just ahead of uh, 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 Devers and Riley. But again, they're all in the same tier for me, so I, I wouldn't argue too much about uh, the order you put them in. Yeah, and like I said at the top, like my my overall strategy is like Ramirez in the first round. If if you're in the top half and you can get him, or if he just falls, I mean, you never know with your draft. Like guys like Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna, you know, someone might reach and take a Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns really high. You just never know like how your draft will go. So like. If, if Ramirez falls to me in the first round, I'll take him. I'd really be fine taking any of these guys in the second round, to be honest. Um, would you? Yeah, I think that's. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially considering how quickly this position gets iffy. You know, I think yeah. for that reason alone, like just being able to check the box. And I feel like all these guys feel reasonably safe to me. You know, I mean, I guess Witt would be the one that that might be a little more risky, but... 
I mean, he was great as a rookie. He's a one of the better prospects to come along in a while. Uh, the speed also just kind of gives him a higher floor for that reason. So yeah, um, I yeah, I kind of feel like all of these guys are pretty pretty rock solid picks in the first two rounds. Yeah, I think Witz. I mean, he's safe in, in in himself too, just because like I just can't imagine a scenario where I'm benching Bobby Witt in like May. You know, I mean. Unless he's hurt. I mean, then maybe, you know, you could worry about that. Maybe we saw, like, a guy like Mondesi in Kansas City get hurt a lot because he was attempting a lot of steals. So we saw Fernando Tatis get hurt sliding in the second. And so if you're worried about that, you know, from that perspective, maybe you get one of these deeper guys, too, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Something like that to pair with him or something. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, Devers, I feel like it'll be interesting just to see where he goes in drafts. I mean... He is coming off a little bit of a down year, but I'm, I'm I agree with you. Like I mean, there's really nothing to be concerned about with him. I mean, if his down year was 295 with 27 homers, 88 RBIs in 141 games, I mean that's that's <laughs> not much of a down year. It's basically he just missed uh a, you know about 20 games, and that's that's why yeah. he didn't get to that 30 home run mark. But I or the you know 100 RBIs. But I feel like those are benchmarks that people look at in their draft like you know it's not scientific but it's like when people are <laughs> drafting they're like looking for the guys that hit 30 homers drove in 100 runs and i wonder if that makes him fall a few more spots than he normally oh. would yeah you see those triple digits i mean the the next the next tier that i have i have uh, nolan arenado and alex bregman in a tier uh, as well and arenado is someone he has triple digits rbis uh, basically every season uh, minus that covid season but every season since 2015 so yeah, the the average is there. Um, he's been so consistent. He's he's kind of the the version of like Paul Goldschmidt, his teammate. Like the he's the third base version of that. So uh, there were there were some concerns that he might not produce outside of Coors Field, um, but he's done that the last two seasons. He's he's pretty rock solid. And the only reason he's down here a little bit for me is that he is getting up there in age, just like Goldschmidt is. Um, so otherwise, I'd probably have Arenado up a little bit higher, maybe in that other tier. But I've I've put him down here, and I put Bregman here as well, even though I would definitely take Bregman maybe like around later. Um, but I don't know. What do you have a do you have a tier of of one or two or what do you have next coming up for you? Yeah, so I actually have Aaron uh, Aaron Arenado in a tier of his own. Um, I I get putting Bregman in the tier, but the more I looked at it, I just feel like they're not really comparable players at this <laughs> yeah. stage of their careers. You know, I like. Bregman, so much of his fantasy value last year was from the run and RBI numbers. Like he had 93 runs, 93 RBIs. Yeah. Other than that, he was pretty unimpressive. 259 average, 23 homers, one steal. I mean, that's not not doing a whole lot for you, you know? And um, he had, you know, really declined the previous two seasons as well. So um, I still think like the run production numbers should be decent for him, but to me, he's not in the same category as Arenado, who just continues to hit 30 home runs every single season. Yeah, uh, did also steal a career high five bases last year, and mm. who knows with the new rules in place, maybe he uh, improves on that by a few. Um, you know, the the big question for me with Arenado is the batting average because that jumped all the way back up to 293 last year, and it had been 255 the year before, 253 in the in the COVID shortened year. You know, he still makes a lot of contact. He actually made more contact last year than he has in any other full season in his career. So that was impressive. But I still don't know if 
we can really count on a high batting average for him outside of Coors Field. Um, I'm still mm. a little dubious about that. So uh, just the kind of hitter he is, like he makes a lot of contact, but hits a lot of fly balls. So yeah, I you know I would I would say like I was I'd be tempted to put him in the tier with Riley and Devers if I felt like the batting average was something I believed in more. Um, but I just don't quite, I'm not quite there. So I like he, to me, he's as close to those guys as he is to Bregman. At least he might actually be closer to Devers and Riley for me than he is to Bregman. So that's why I put him in a tier of his own. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And I, I could like, if, if Arenado was five years younger, he would definitely be in that tier up there. And so I think some of it, I'm being a little ageist here. I don't know. I did, this, I did the same thing with Goldschmidt with the first baseman. I, you know, I had him down at the bottom. I think of that tier. You know, I had like Pete Alonso ahead of him. Whereas, you know, Goldschmidt's coming off like career year basically. Since you know, so yeah, it's you're we're uh, I think we're splitting hairs a little bit there, but because you're right, you could easily draft Arenado in like the third round or the fourth round. Um, I think the point is like I think there's a bit of a drop off here, and whether it's a drop off after Arenado. Or if you think guys like Bregman or maybe one or two more guys you want to like sneak in there. But man, at third base, like this is kind of it, right? Like I, I, I'm not that happy if I don't get one of these guys. And Arenado might be kind of <laughs> the break off here because you're right. Like Bregman, you know, he had a really good season in 2019. A ton of guys did. And yeah, the average hasn't really been there since. Um, the power hasn't really been great. But I just I kind of see Bregman as someone who could hit 25 home runs, and maybe Arenado hits closer to 25 as well, and the average could come, you know, kind of similar. So like I also, you know, Bregman's in a great lineup. He's a little bit younger, so I just Bregman's just a really good player, and so like I just kind of put them in the same tier. But I definitely would take Arenado first. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just look at it and like Arenado, he just hits 30 home runs every year, you know. Yeah. So like. I, I can't really bet against that at this point. Um, I know, like, his stack cast numbers, his slugging percentage was significantly higher than his expected slugging. So maybe you point to that. But I don't know. 30, you know, he's not even 32 yet. He'll be 32 in a couple months. Like, it, I think he's still got at least one or two more uh, prime years left before he would start to really uh, fade. Um, and it's, you know, it's interesting you brought up Goldschmidt because I think with both of them, I, I was anticipating them declining and then they just <laughs> didn't really. I mean, yeah. or they had one year of slight decline and then uh, and then big bounce back years, you know. So, I'm cautious to bet against uh, them again. Um the problem with uh, Arenado though is his ADP at least right now is very high. I mean, he's at 30th overall. Yeah. Uh you know, I like that's pretty high for for Arenado for me. Um I feel like it's kind of like all the people that miss out on uh, the top five guys start to panic a little yep, bit, and that's absolutely. pushing his value, his uh, draft stock up quite a bit. I mean, Bregman is actually not going that early. I mean, he's at 65th, mm -hmm. so um, maybe he's a decent value there, actually, even though I, I, do, um, I do think I'll probably not be drafting Bregman just because... Um, there's some other guys that I have in the same tier with him that are going later. So I, I, I probably wouldn't even need to uh, take Bregman in the fifth or sixth round. I could probably, if I don't get uh, one of those top guys, I'll probably wait, uh, like you said, at the top of the show. Yeah, I'll wait a while. So I'm I'm curious, like, so who's in the next tier for you? Because, like, I had that tier of two, and then 
for me, I, I have just a tier of one, and that's Gunnar Henderson because, again, just the upside. He's the top prospect on a ton of you know lists out there, like Baseball America and all sorts of them. Like, you know, he's the top prospect out there, and he he came up last year. Um, he I'm not sure I have to look up see how many games he had, but I was the 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 note that I took was that he had a 130 average and 26 plate appearances against lefties. So. Um, not great. Um, but overall, like, I mean, he's an exciting player. He's got a ton of, you know, prospect pedigree and there's some excitement around him. He can be, he, he's eligible at th- third and short. Not that that'll really matter. You're definitely going to play him at third. Um, but yeah, just again, getting this year's Bobby Witt potentially, or insert, insert exciting prospect name here. Like Gunnar Henderson is it. So I think I put him in a tier of his own just because like at some point I might take the risk if I kind of have my team filled out a bit, but I, I probably won't get him because I think someone else is going to draft him a bit earlier than I will, like in round seven or eight or something. And I probably would wait until like round 10. Right. And you're an Orioles fan too. So exactly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I do have Gunnar Henderson next in my rankings and I have him in the same tier as Bregman. Um, I also have Max Muncy in that tier as well. So for me, it's a tier three. Um, And I know Muncy we talked about in the second base show. So people can go back and listen there, but um you know, it's it's the nature of third base. Like, I actually think that Muncie, like, he might actually, he's at least equally appealing at third base as he is at second base, uh, which is kind of unusual. But that's yeah, that's kind of the state of this position. Um, you know, I feel like all these guys have certain risk. Uh, Bregman, it's just like, what is he going to do besides score and drive in runs? You know, um, Henderson, like, I think you you kind of summed it up well. It's like. A, a wide range of possibilities for him this season. I mean, he only played 34 major league games last year and didn't do a ton. So, uh, I mean, he, he didn't fall flat on his face or anything like right. that either. So I, I do think he's probably up to stay. Um, but uh, the key is, does he steal bases? You know, cause it's, it's always a little unclear with rookies. Like, do they, do they run a lot or not? Uh, cause sometimes they don't, they're like cautious. They don't want to make outs on the base paths, you know, like people, uh, people don't let, like uh, look kindly upon that for young players when they're making <laughs> outs on the bases. So, uh, you know, he only attempted uh, – well, he only stole one base last year. I, I, I'm, he only attempted one. Uh, he attempted two. He was caught once and stole one. But, you know, that – like in the minors, he stole 22 bases in uh, 112 games. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of his value as far as I'm concerned because I don't – think the batting average is necessarily going to be there right away that's something that might take some time um the power is still developing so right the steals are really an important part of his value but i feel like i feel like there's a decent chance he at least gets to double digits and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ended up being more valuable than bregman at the end of the day yeah and i mean like he could be like a 2020 guy and have like an okay average I mean, he could have a Bobby Witt type season. We don't really know yet. Uh, so, like, there are ranges of outcomes where he's awesome and you're getting a value here, but there's also the possibility that he like still can't hit lefties and Jorge Mateo is 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 playing third base or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I don't know what they're gonna do or uh, Urias. They've got they've got some different guys, and I just want he could get sent back down and if he really falls flat on his face in April or something. I don't think that's gonna happen, but you know, there are some there are some other outcomes where. He doesn't, you know, he's not a top 100 player right away and he could struggle. So it's just, that's why I put him in a tier of his own uh, because like I didn't really want to compare him to a Bregman or 
uh, you know, Muncie, even like I, we talked, like you said, we talked about Muncie. I like him. What's funny. I was just looking at my second base rankings. I, I rank Muncie exactly as my number 10 second baseman. And he's my number 10 third baseman. Somehow it just kind of happened that way. Yeah. He's my number nine at both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, this is a weird tier for me to have Bregman Henderson and Muncie in the same tier. Cause they're three completely different players. But, yeah. Um, I feel like the, the value kind of matches up for me of them. Um, like, Again, I just probably won't be drafting Bregman because I'd be okay getting one of those other guys. And, you know, Henderson, like, we could definitely see his um, his uh, ADP shoot up if he's looking good in spring training. But Muncie, you know, I think he's a, he's a fine fallback option in this tier for me. Yep. Well, I kind of have a fallback option tier myself, and that's like my number 9, 10, and 11 guys. I already said Muncie's in there as my number 10. I have Ty France as my number 9. And I have Jose Miranda as my number 11. You know, I, I like Jose Miranda a lot. Uh, I mean, both of these guys are first base eligible. So um, I don't know how much we talked about them at first, but I'm sure we talked about them enough. You can go back and look at the first base episode, give that a listen. But that this is sort of my tier of three uh, with Muncie in there where it's like if I miss out on the other guys and I'm waiting, I'm okay getting one of these three as my starting third baseman. I think I'd be okay with that. Um, what do you what do you think about that tier? And do you have any of those guys next or are they a little bit further down for you? Well, I do have Miranda directly next, but he's starting another tier for me, which are guys who I would say have slightly bigger risk, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, because he's just really unproven. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Henderson, but I I just think Henderson's like, uh, I don't know, slightly uh, higher prospect, I guess you could say. And more Um, stolen base potential for sure. And more stolen base. Exactly. So that raises the... the, the, uh, floor as well um so i have in this tier it's like it's some young guys and it's some old guys but to me they're the common theme is that they all have some glaring risk associated with them um so with miranda you know we did talk about him on the first base episode uh, so people can go back listen to that but uh huge minor league numbers major league numbers we're okay, but they weren't anything special. So we just haven't seen it yet in the majors with him. Yeah. Um, then the other, I have two other young guys in this tier, although the, the other two are at the end of the tier. Cause I think they're even bigger question marks. Uh, and that's uh, Josh young and Jordan mm. Walker. Um, I mean, I feel like both of those guys could be star players. Like, yeah, I think that's in the realm of possibility. I, I also think they could spend most of the season in the minor leagues. So um, you know, Young is probably, and that's Jung for you, uh, if you're looking at how it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like he he's probably going to play uh, in the big leagues this season most of the year because um, I, I feel like the Rangers want to see what they have in him, and there's an opening for him. Uh, last year was really kind of wiped out from his shoulder injury in, in uh, the off season, and he missed most of the year, and then when he came back, it's like he was either really rusty or not quite healthy yet, but it didn't look like the same player that it was in the minors. So I'm curious to see what he does yep. this year uh, if healthy because he's got a lot of upside, I think, in both power and batting average. Um, and then Jordan Walker has, like, elite upside. I mean, he's an elite prospect, and he put up huge five-category uh, numbers in Double A, but mm-hmm. um, he may not even break camp with the Cardinals, or if he does, he could – not be playing every day. So, you know, th- that's the risk with him. Um, 
You you could talk about those guys if you want, and then I can bring up the other guys I have in this tier. Yeah, so I'll just I'll say for those guys, like I mean, I'll echo pretty much what you said about him. I think the upside is there. You could you could almost have a tier of Gunnar Henderson and these two guys, honestly. But the ADP and Miranda, yeah, yeah. and Miranda, uh, the, the ADP is just vastly different. Uh, for me, Young, I have at sixteen. I have Jordan Walker at twenty one. And honestly, I struggled with Walker just for what you said. Like, I mean, what if he doesn't come up till way late in the season? You know, I mean, like it's like he could be like Julio Rodriguez this year, or he could just be, I don't know, who came up at the very end of last year, like I guess like Gunnar Henderson, right? I mean, so he's he's young, so um, and then young uh, for for Texas, like yeah, he's former first round pick himself. He he struggled to bat two hundred, but like you said, dealt with an injury. So like, there's I think at this point in your draft. Like, if you haven't gotten a third baseman yet, like, uh, you know, Young is, I think if he's he's fine. I think he's safe-ish. Walker, it's like, he'd be my second third baseman. Like, I would have a third baseman, and then I would take him because I worried, like, you know, you got to have someone at third because he might not play for a month or two. Yeah, but, I mean, even if I drafted Young, I probably would want another third baseman, too, just because I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Yeah. You know, like, having some, like, a Max Muncy or – some of the other guys I have in this tier. So uh, you mentioned Ty France. I actually don't have him in this tier. Hmm. Um, I have uh, Eugenio Suarez, Anthony yep. Rendon, and Justin Turner in this tier. Interesting. Uh, um, and that's because those guys are all guys who have been really good for fantasy at various times. Um, like they've all been better than Ty France has ever been when they've been good. Um, the problem with Suarez, of course, is that he has a ton of swing and miss in his game. Mm-hmm. So he's like a huge batting average risk. Um, but he's got immense power, you know. Um, and like even moving from Cincinnati to Seattle, uh, he still was a 30 home run guy last year. And I think he, you know, if everything goes well for him, he can hit even more than 30 home runs um sure uh and then rendon i mean it's all about health you know like <laughs> yeah is, i mean is he ever going to be healthy again i don't know uh he's he supposedly is doing all right right now you know i whether he can make it through the full season is another question i guess but um if he's healthy like he's not too old to have a bounce back year you know yeah so if- he's intriguing to me and then turner is pretty old but um He's just such a good hitter. I mean, Justin Turner has always been one of my favorite players uh, in fantasy. And, um, you know, he's he's not with the Dodgers anymore. But, I mean, the Red Sox are still – I know you mentioned the lineup is not looking so hot. Uh, but it's. I feel like that team is still going to score runs. It's a great offensive environment, especially for a guy like Turner. Um, so, I, you know, I think he's going to hit for a high average and drive in plenty of runs. It's just I don't know how much power – he'll hit for at this stage of his career. But um, all these guys, like, there's risk and reward, basically. And I would probably, at this stage of a draft, be wanting to draft one of the young guys and maybe one of the uh, one of the old guys. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, it's funny, you're talking about Justin Turner and going to Fenway. Like, he feels like he'll fit right in uh, there, you know, like with the big, with the beard. Like, he just reminds me of, like, a Euclid or, or someone, you know. Yeah, that 4 team, yeah. Yeah, like, I, he seems like he could, you know, be a nice role player. But I think he'll, I mean, you know, J.D. Martinez is now with the Dodgers. So Justin Turner, I mean, he can just DH like, like J.D. Martinez did and just, but be third base eligible. I don't know how much third he'll actually play you know, with Devers. So like, he'll just be a DH, but you can play him at third. Yeah. He's 38 years old, but his career batting average is 290. He hasn't hit below 275 since 2012. So like 
he could fall off. I mean, we, we've waited for Tom Brady to fall off forever. I mean, Justin Verlander, when we get to talk about starting pitchers, like some of these guys are just good until they're 40. And I think Justin Turner, especially if he's just DHing, like I think he'll be fine. Like you said, he's a great hitter. So he have I have him at uh, actually starting a new tier after a tier we haven't kind of gotten to for me. But I have Justin Turner at 19, but I could move him up a couple spots. Rendon... I don't know. Like you said, I mean, if we were doing video, I'd have you hold up a newspaper with today's date, you know, to say like, on this day, Anthony Rendon is healthy because it's like, (laughs) by the time someone's listening to this, he might be out for the season. So I don't trust him as much. He's like my 23, 23rd ranked uh, third baseman. And even there, like, I don't know, like, I might not even draft him there. (laughs) I might move him down further. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. This sort of goes to like a bigger strategy that I have in fantasy baseball in general which is like I'm always aware of what the replacement value is Mm -hmm. on the waiver wire so like I'll kind of shoot my shot you know like I'll go for guys that like may not make it through the whole season but could be really good while they're healthy you know because I'll just play them until they're on the IL and then I'll pick up somebody else and play them you know so like I that's my that's my reason for liking a Rendon or Turner like I don't I don't need them to stay healthy for the whole season. I mean, Turner, even in his best years, he he always had a little time on the IL, you know? So um, that's just kind of the bargain with these guys. But um, I I sort of prefer that to like a set set it and forget it guy who's just not going to really move the needle like Ty France, you know? Yeah. Or Ryan McMahon, guys like that, you know? It's just, I kind of, I'd rather like go for somebody that's actually been like a consistent top 10 fantasy player uh, third baseman at some point in in their career or some like really high-end prospect that could get there very quickly if, if things click yeah and you mentioned uh Suarez I have him as my number 12 third baseman and I have him in a tier of two with Matt Chapman who you know I kind of see them similarly right like low average um you know K rate around 30 percent and uh you know they could hit 30 35 home runs so I, I kind of have them similarly I, I always I always believe in Matt Chapman but like everybody does except me i i don't under i'm sorry i i know like i've this is like a running gag on the show like uh, since i've been since i started this podcast like before you were even in the picture like i don't understand why people love matt chapman i just don't get it i mean like to me there's not really a comparison between him and eugenio suarez i mean eugenio suarez hit 49 home runs in 2019, you know, and that was, that was the career year for both of them, but it was 49 home runs for Suarez. It was 36 for Chapman. Suarez has three other seasons where he hit over 30 home runs. Basically every season since 2018, he's, he's hit over 30 home runs. I mean, in 2020, he hit 15 and 57 games. Like he was going to go way over 30, like that year he might've got, you know, match the 49 again. <laughs> so like he's shown this like immense power. Whereas Chapman, he has one year with more than 27 home runs in his entire career. And, you know, everyone blamed that on Oakland playing in Oakland all that time. And then he went to the blue Jays. He did the exact same thing, like 27 home runs in 155 games. Like he plays, he's in the lineup all the time. So that's kind of like, He's a set it and forget it in that sense, but like he's a batting average liability just like Suarez, but with a yeah. lot less power as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I guess like, you know, both of these guys, like you said, are in different places uh, last year. Uh, like you said, Suarez still hit 31 home runs going from Cincinnati to a worse ballpark. 
and then Chapman went to a better situation and basically was the same. So, like, I get the point, and I think if Suarez was still in Cincinnati, I would see him more as that, like, 40 home run potential, but now I just kind of see them both as, like, 30 home run hitters. Um, but, but why do you see Chapman as a 30 home run hitter when he never does it? Okay, well, 27. Like, I mean, you know, like, it's... <laughs> I No, but it, it's not, I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm saying you, but it's really not just you. I mean, the projection systems all have him at 29, 30, 31, yeah. 32 home runs. And, like, he has done that once in his career. Like, I seriously just, I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is, there is a world where, like, if Suarez is just a, a better power hitter and you look at, like, his numbers, what he did... I mean, I just look at the ballpark in Cincinnati and could look at his home home and road splits and probably see that he, you know, did a lot more damage there. But, like, it's – Suarez could hit 35 and Chapman hits 25. Yeah. I don't see the the reverse of that happening. So Exactly. I, I, and I, yeah. also, like, I'd like – I'd be interested to see a spray chart of Suarez's home runs because I feel like he hits a lot of no-doubters. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure, like, his home runs, like, matter that much which ballpark they're in. Well, that's a good, you know, that's something I think I saw. Is it Toronto or Detroit? I saw there's one ballpark that uh, is moving their walls up a little bit. Um, mm. yeah, I'll have to look, I'll have to dig into the the ballpark because I remember with Camden last year, that was kind of a big deal and it had some impact for sure. So I'll have to look and see which, yeah. if it's which, which ballpark and, that is. And let me be, and let me be clear on one thing. Like, I don't like drafting players like Eugenio Suarez generally. Like, I don't right. like drafting guys that strike out 30% of the time and could hit below the Mendoza line. Like that's not something I go into any draft being like, this is who I want at third base. (laughs) But like given the state of this position, I feel like he's a guy that's probably just based on the power likely to finish in that 10 to 15 range, at least at third base, just based on the power, even if his batting average is really low. Um, And I just don't think you can say the same thing about Chapman. So um, you know, like for me, like I would like, to, if I draft Suarez, I probably want one of these young, exciting guys as well. And I hope that guy clicks and I don't have to play Suarez, but he does feel like a pretty solid fallback option. Yep. Well, I put a couple other younger guys in this next tier after this. So like you mentioned Josh Young, uh, you already mentioned a Ryan McMahon who I have 17th. Um, but also in that tier I have guys and I, I'm curious to see where you have them. Obviously a little bit lower than I do, but I have Alec Bohm and Cabrian Hayes up here. And really it's just like, I mean, with Cabrian Hayes, like he's been in the pirate organization since he was 18. Like he's been a pros, like he was a prospect for a while. Uh, He just turned 26 last month. Um, Mostly he's been like really good on the base paths, you know, having some stolen bases. We really haven't seen the power, but you know, if you look at like his minor league numbers and stuff, I think there could be like, if he figures it out and he's a 15, 15 or even, a little bit better, you know, than that. Like he can hit for good average. I just, I still kind of believe in Cabrian Hayes. And like, again, this is more of like, I don't necessarily want him to be my starting third baseman. Cause we're talking about guys in the teens. Like, um, I'd much like, I'd much rather draft like a Max Muncy or Ty France or one of these guys who I have higher, but Hayes and Bohm, like Bohm again, 2018, number three overall pick. So he hasn't shown much power either. So like these are guys who I think are going to like be in the lineup every day, probably are going to be much better in points leagues. They're going to get a lot of hits. So maybe in five by five categories, they're not as good. Cause I don't know that they're going to bring the power to the plate. Yeah. I will. So I, um, I've, I've sort of warmed to Boehm a little bit. Um, and the main reason that I warmed to him was I, uh, I just kept like comparing him to, to tie France. And I was like, what's the difference really between these two guys? Like, yeah. I mean, because Bohm, you know, 
he went downhill in 2021 because he only hit 247. But I think he's a pretty good hitter for batting average. You know, yeah. um, like he hit 338 in his first cup of coffee in 2020. He hit 280 last year. Uh, he hit for uh, a, a, a solid batting average in the minors as well. Um, so I, I feel like even without major power, like he can basically do what Ty France can do. Um, you know, 280 with 15 home runs kind of production and decent run in RBI totals. So um, I, I feel like he's kind of a sneaky, sneaky value. I'm not expecting like any sort of breakout from him, but I just think like he puts up the kind of stat line that um, gets a little bit uh, flies under the radar a little bit, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, Hayes, on the other hand, I don't know. I, I feel like people are still, putting expectations on him that he doesn't look close to meeting, you know? I mean, it's really, it really is just the steals at this point. And, and the problem is being on Pittsburgh, like the runs and RBIs are not going to be great, you know? Yeah. And the home runs are like, he may not even get to 10. Like he hasn't yet gotten to 10 in any season. Um, I mean, he hasn't played a full 160 game season yet, but uh, I just, I, the power is really lacking. The batting average is not great. Um, run and RBIs aren't going to be great. So it, it really is those steals. And like you said, I mean, he's still kind of young. I mean, he's, this is going to be his age 26 season. So he might not be quite as young as some people might think he is, you know, <laughs> um, same thing with Boehm. These guys are both entering their age 26 season. So I feel like personally, it might be time to sort of reset expectations for these guys a little bit and just be like, they are what they are, you know, as opposed to thinking they're going to have some sort of breakthrough. I mean, they could, but um, they've had some opportunities in the majors over the last three seasons, and they've kind of shown us a, a pretty consistent level of production. Um, so I'm I'm really more expecting them to continue doing what they've been doing. I just mm-hmm. think what Bohm has been doing is more useful than what Hayes has been doing. Okay, well that's fair. I have Bohm one spot higher, so I'll, I'll agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> I have Bohm one spot ahead of Ty France. Uh, oh, okay. So, but to me, this this is a tier. I have a tier um, from 16 down to 23 that does have Hayes in it as well. Um, I, this tier for me is led off by Josh Rojas, who I mm-hmm. talked about on the second base pod, and I like him a lot. So, um, you know. Uh, like I think he gives you the production that you want from Hayes. Uh, yeah, they're pretty similar. And, yeah, yeah. I just think he'll have better better runs production and maybe a little more power upside. Um, so I like him a little more. And then um, McMahon, we talked about on the second base pod as well. Just kind of boring, but two fifty, twenty, twenty five homers, yep. handful of steals. Like that that'll play. Um, then I have Chapman, Bohm, France. Uh, and then a guy I you were talking about um, on the uh, second base uh, pod is potentially getting eligibility there. You sounded kind of excited about him, uh, Ha Sung Kim. Yeah. So he's also in this tier for me, along with uh, DJ LeMahieu bringing up the rear of, of the tier. Okay. Yeah. That's. I mean, I'm. We're now in the. We're now in the twenties for you. You said through twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a that's exactly. I have uh, Kim ranked twenty second. So I have like a tier with Justin Turner. DJ LeMayhew, Jordan Walker snuck in there again. He's he's hard to rank. Like I could I could easily like depending on how spring training goes, and I mean I could put Jordan Walker in my top ten if he's gonna, if he's going to start the season with the Cardinals, I'll move him way up. But yeah, I have I have Kim. Uh, we finally got Rendon for me in this tier, and then that's that's pretty much it. Like I mean, 
after that, like we start getting into some rough territory. So <laughs> I don't even want to like name any more names, but I we can. Uh, but <laughs> who do you want to talk about uh, out of that tier of yours there? Uh, well, of that tier, I mean, I think it's it's kind of self-explanatory, really. Uh, you know, we talked about LeMahieu. He's like pretty much just run production at this point, not much else. He's he's kind of like the really poor man's Bregman, I feel like. Uh, like poverty <laughs> man's Bregman. Um, <laughs> Kim, like, it's a, it's all, you know, the, the numbers haven't really translated from Korea because he put up, like, obscene numbers in Korea. Yeah. Um, but he does chip in a little bit across the board, and I think roster resource has him hitting leadoff uh, for the Padres right now, so that would be good um, yeah. in terms of plate appearances and runs. So I think he could be a sneaky, sneaky value, but I think big picture with all these guys, it's like you're probably not drafting any of these guys to be your starter, but it's like, um, although I'll bet you there are some people that draft Matt Chapman to be their starter. <laughs> Those poor souls. Um, but like, you know, I, it, it's more just like this is a, these are guys to have on your watch list. Like, if they get off to a hot start, like, and you're struggling at third base, don't be afraid to just pick one of these guys up and put them in your lineup because it wouldn't surprise me if if someone from this tier ends up in the top ten. Yeah, and like for Hassan Kim, like, yeah, he if he plays second, like that. That's really nice to have the flexibility of second, third, or short. Um, this late in the draft, like you'll be able to get him in the last round. And yeah, I'm just looking at his numbers, like his KBO numbers, like you said, just great. And it often doesn't translate, but like this is his third year now with the Padres. So you look at year one, he what batted 202, you know, and then last year he batted 251. So huge improvement, you know, improvement across the board when you look at just a little bit of improvement in the home runs and then the other the other numbers where I mean he also played 150 games, but like. I just I like to see the launch angle increase, like the hard hit rate. Like if you look at all the underlying metrics, I just feel like he improved from one year to the next, and he's still just 27. Like, you know, he he. I'm looking at his KBO numbers. Like he started there when he was 18, kind of like Brian Hayes. You know, he was playing right away at a young age. So he's been in he's been playing professional baseball a long time, but only in the majors for two years. So we could see, you know, year three. I mean, like I don't think a breakout is like out of the question, and you're getting him for free. So why not? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can keep going. I mean, I have another tier of guys that like are real long shots, but like it could happen. Who do you have? <laughs> and that's uh, Christopher Morel, Isaac Paredes, and John Birdie. Um, you know, Morel, if if I knew he was going to play every day, like I'd probably have him higher because he got off to a really nice start last year, uh, but then kind of faded down the stretch. Um, a lot of strikeouts, so batting average could be an issue. Playing time could be an issue, but he does have some power and some speed. So um, he's a guy I'd at least keep an eye on. His he's eligible at four positions. So that's mm. you. You were talking about flexibility. He's second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield. Yep. Um, so that could that could be pretty pretty nice if he is getting regular playing time. Uh, Isaac Paredes was a guy I got really excited about for a month last year because uh, <laughs> he hit eight home runs in, in a month and uh, then did nothing. The rest, I think he had like he had 13 home runs in his first 39 games um, and then basically nothing else after that. Um, so, you know, he's only 24. So it, it's it, it, it's still possible he ends up being a good power guy. I mean, I don't think. He's a well-rounded player, um, but he could he could be like a thirty home run guy if he if he got regular playing time all season and uh, 
and it all clicked for him. Yeah. And then Birdie, we talked about uh, on the second base show. I mean, he stole 41 bases last season, and he was on pace for like 70 or 80 at one point. <laughs> so he, he's another guy who may not play every day, but um, if he does find his way into regular playing time, I feel like he's just a must-roster player uh, in uh, Roto and Categories Leagues. Well, a couple couple young guys I have down in like the 27 to 30 range. Uh, I have Spencer Steer uh, for the for the Reds, and I have Brett Beatty for the Mets. So just a couple of young guys to keep an eye on too. Like Beatty's a former first round pick, and you know, like roster resource. You look at like I guess Eduardo Escobar will probably play third, but like I mean, he's been in the league for a long time, and you know, maybe picks up an injury, maybe Beatty gets a shot sooner rather than later, and then uh, you know, Spencer Steer. Like I just I like looking at guys who are playing in Cincinnati because it's just a Great ballpark to play in. So both of these guys played, uh, you know, like 20, 30 games last year or something like that. So they've they've got a taste. And, uh, you know, I, I think thinking about like the Gunnar Hendersons, like we talked about Gunnar Henderson in the top 10, like no doubter, right? But then you talk about like some of these other guys like Walker and then even deeper like a Beatty, you know, like it could easily be one of these guys too. And some of it could be about opportunity and how they how they do kind of early on and if they even get that chance early on, like in the case of Walker. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. I mean, just given some of the options we're talking about, like why not, uh, you know, if these guys are playing, I mean, that's the question. Like do they make the team? Are they are they getting playing time? But if they are, they're absolutely worth taking a shot on. I mean, uh, Beatty hit 312, 19 home runs in, in 89 games in double-A last season. Those, those are pretty good numbers. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I I, I certainly think um, it's, it's worth keeping an eye on those guys and – uh, you know, uh, the alternative is talking about guys like Brandon Drury, Andy Diaz, Luis Urias. I mean, Chris Taylor, Josh Donaldson, Yon Moncada. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to draft any of these guys. I don't want to start any of these guys. I don't want to pick up any of these guys. So, yeah, I'd rather, uh, even if the even if the odds are against some of these young guys, I'd I'd rather uh, stash them on my bench than. Uh, some lo- low upside guy like that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Remember when Yon Moncada said he was going to steal like 30 or 40 bases last year before the season started? <laughs> yeah, well, he's a guy I've been down on for a long time as well, and I, I guess that one I I can take a victory lap on now. It yeah. seems like uh, it's all over for him at this point. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've given up on Moncada. I mean, yeah, no thanks. I, I definitely would try one of those young guys first, and like like you said, well, I can, a lot might change in the coming month or so. So I have to. Tune in, watch some spring training, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, third base is just uh, it's it's a little bit of a struggle bus. It is. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it comes back to the top of the draft. Like getting one of those top five guys in the first couple rounds saves you a lot of grief. <laughs> you know, a lot of like uh, having to um, kind of hope one of these guys actually comes through because it's uh, it's not a pretty list once you get. Uh, outside the top 10 really it's really not and drafting arenado in the third round is not the worst thing but like it does feel like a little bit of a reach and as we were talking about like bregman and some of these other guys like even bregman like in the 60s almost feels like a reach <laughs> so like i think i would take them sort of in that 60 70 range like i i don't know i yeah hopefully you get one of those guys in the first two rounds if you don't just wait maybe maybe draft a young guy and like an old old guy like we like the more i think about it the more i think like Justin Turner and one of these young guys, you know, not Gunnar Henderson because mm-hmm. you have to pay up for him. Yep, no, I agree. And uh or Max Muncie. I mean, yeah. 
35 homers, 100 RBIs, if he can just stay healthy, it's definitely possible. Absolutely. Like, his ADP yeah. is, like, 130, 140. So, that's that's and, nothing. And we're going to keep an eye on Anthony Rendon. If he ends up staying healthy and <laughs> having a big comeback year, I'm definitely going to rub that in your face a lot. All right. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save our bold predictions episode for closer to, like, opening day. And if if Rendon's still healthy at that point, then let's, make, let's do a little bold prediction. <laughs> or an over-under on games played. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I can bet Bring on that. Bring it back to the betting. You love the betting. Uh, more for football, maybe. Yep. But anyway, you do plenty of baseball betting, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, I'm sure you'll have some some uh, preseason bets for us before the uh, start of the season as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've already laid down a couple. Well, we can get into those in another episode for sure. Well, there we go. All right. So I think that wraps it for third base. Uh, don't worry. We're, we're talking shortstop next. It's way better. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that's a position that uh, you you might uh, have an easier time finding a stud at, but uh, yeah, shortstop coming up on Tuesday, and then we'll do uh, outfield later next week. Uh, we will also be uh, diving into the pitching ranks uh, the week after that before uh, draft season hits uh, full steam. So keep on listening to the rest of the season rankings podcast. Uh, we'll have our uh, rankings up at rsrankings.com ahead of the season as well once we get through these preview shows. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any fantasy baseball-related questions for us uh, as you're doing your draft prep, we're happy to help. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.